You're listening to This Is Spinal Crap, the podcast about living well with a spinal cord injury. Remember, if you heard it on This Is Spinal Crap, it's probably not medically correct, so always check with your spinal unit or an appropriate medical professional. This Is Spinal Crap is sponsored by Colourplast, providing effective solutions for bladder and bowel management. Another Wednesday, another episode of This Is Spinal Crap, Two Tickly Rear Buds. Today in the studio, I'm joined by Chris, who Hello. we haven't seen for a few weeks. How are you doing, Chris? Very well, thank you. Good to have you back. Have you managed to clean all your trainers? Uh, <laughs> it's just not as funny when I make the joke, is it? It has, it has to be Ian. <laughs> I have indeed cleaned all my trainers and Ian can do one. <laughs> Um, he'll be back with us next week but um, today there's just myself and Chris and some lovely guests who I'll introduce in just a moment and um, this is episode 11 of series 2 yeah, it's our penultimate studio episode but it means that we're getting closer to our live shows and all of the details of those will be available soon on social media and in our newsletter Chris how can people get that information yeah sure so on Instagram we are at this is spinal crap on Facebook we are at spinal crap show same as Twitter you can contact us via email at thisisspinalcrap at gmail.com. But most importantly, please, please, please sign up for our newsletter on our website at www.thisisspinalcrap.com. And almost please, and if you've really been enjoying the show, which hopefully you have, please don't forget to rate and review on uh, all the apps. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, please send us a review. We'd really, really appreciate it. Cool, yeah, we love to hear from people. We've had a lot of emails in after over the last couple of weeks, actually, um, after the shows, and we're getting really good responses from people. Um, and we love hearing from you. So, yeah, th- those emails are great, or anything on social media we love. Um, today, as I said, we have two guests with us, because today we're celebrating youth. Um, we all remember the trials and tribulations of growing up, schools, schoolyards, friendships, family life, sibling rivalry, changing bodies, peer pressure, crazy hormones, friends, frenemies, laughter, fighting, all of the firsts. Okay, so you get the, you get the picture. Now imagine all of that with a spinal cord injury. So um, I, today our guests, uh, Laura May and Tasha Davies are here to talk about that. Hello, Laura. Hello. And hi, Tasha. Hello. Uh, Laura has come from Manchester to be with us today. Um, she was injured in 2005 when she was 11 and she is a level T2 para. Yeah, I think that's about right. I kind yeah. of, I'm a weird one. It's about there. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, like we'll go into that in a minute then. And, and Chris, you're friends with Tasha. Why don't you uh, introduce us? Yeah, sure. So uh, Tasha, Tasha uh, went to the all-girls school across the road from me. She was paralysed in 2004 when she was 13 as a result of transverse myelitis. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and has a C5, C6 legion on the spinal cord. Um, but we can go into a bit more detail about that. We, yeah, I think you're the first person on the show, Tasha, who's had transverse myelitis. It's quite a weird one. Yeah, so basically transverse myelitis is where your immune system attacks your spinal cord. Um, and that results in inflammation of the spinal cord, which um, in my case um, was at the C5-6 legion, but it resulted in an incomplete spinal cord injury. But we've also got a spinal crap first 
in that we have our first Paralympian on the show. <gasps> oh, Chris, he, Chris told us he was hiding something from us. London 2012 Paralympian. Oh, tell us all. Yeah, so um, I play wheelchair basketball and I started playing wheelchair basketball when I was 13 years old. Um, it was about sort of six months after I came out of hospital. Um, I was really terrible at it at first. I could barely push a chair properly. I couldn't get the ball anywhere near the basket. Um, but there were some really inspiring people that I played with um, and that I started watching, started playing with. And they really inspired me to get stronger and get better at it. Um, then eventually, while I was at university, uh, I got selected um, to be part of the GB Paralympic team. That's amazing. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. That is that's cool. And so have you been to, so which Olympics have you? Uh, so it's the London 2012 Paralympics. The best one. So I was going to say the best one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 picked a good one, yeah. yeah. I mean, you didn't get to go anywhere cool and hot. I know, I didn't then. get to go anywhere <laughs> exotic. Um, but I, I've been to quite a few tournaments abroad, which were really, really brilliant. And so, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be able to travel and play sport, which, yeah, it was great. That is the dream. So <laughs> and are you still playing basketball then? Yeah, um, I just play in a women's league at the moment, so it's um, just for fun, just at the weekends. Okay. Do you play at Stanmore? Uh, yeah, 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 so yeah. We, train at, we train at Stanmore. We were seeing so. that when I was an Yeah, so we play as part of the London Titans uh, wheelchair so basketball you, team, which train at Stanmore. You will know some of my girls, and I played wheelchair basketball for a little while, but I wasn't particularly good, and I also just wasn't committed and well it was really far away it took me an hour and a half to get to where they practiced and stuff so I did it for about a year and then I was like no I'll do it anyway so. and I also wasn't wasn't good enough anyway but yeah it was fun it was fun yeah cool um and Laura you were not a stranger to sports and activities either yeah I'm like the sort of the kind of it's quite cool we've got the two types of sports going on so I'm more of your outdoor sports because um, I can't throw a catch to save my life <laughs> so it's quite funny because I was injured in 2005 and that was the year that we got the Paralympics and the Olympics so when I got injured in hospital they were like oh Southport are going to have a Paralympian nah they've not <laughs> <laughs> they've not got me they've got a few but they've not got me um, and to be fair that is quite interesting because um, when, when I got injured my big thing was I wanted to play outside again like, I always lived on my bike I always was up a tree um, I was always playing football, like that sort of thing. But now I couldn't do that. And again, you've got to remember, like we were injured when social media wasn't even around infancy. So you don't necessarily um, see the things that you can do kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I didn't realize that I could like still play outside. It was only when someone came into my hospital to um, talk about backup and the outdoor courses that they did that I realized I could. And then it's kind of gone from there for me um, through almost doing another subject like English and history but I ended up deciding to do outdoor studies at uni um, and got a really good grade and graduated and now I am working for a charity called Able to Adventure um, that basically um, run um, adventurous activities for disabled people in Scotland within the community. Um, it, it's about the idea so if you're able-bodied and you want to go learn to climb, you go to a climbing centre and you can just become a climber. Whereas mm. when you've got a disability, a spinal injury, anything like that, um, it's a little bit more difficult because you need specialist equipment, you need specialist knowledge. Nine times out of ten, you need the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're about like bridging that gap. So it's come a long way from me being frustrated to 
it being my job to kind of stop that frustration but it's still frustrating because <laughs> now my job is trying to make it happen and I realise why it didn't happen before. That's brilliant <laughs> that it's had that, you know, impact and that you now, you know, have, have turned your frustrations into solving problems for other people. Yeah. That's quite cool. Um, but I'm interested because we spoke before and you told me about being the first wheelchair user in your outdoors course yeah. at uni. Yeah, that was, um, that was a weird one because what happened with me at uni, I did, I don't know about yourself, but um, when I came to the end of college, I was burnt out, like, academically. And I needed a rest, sort of thing. But I wanted to go on a gap year, so I couldn't... It's very difficult to look at going on a gap year in a wheelchair or anything, because they've got all these packages, you go online and stuff, and they don't do it. So I went to Canada through connections, sort of thing, and knowing people who know people. Then I came back, wanted to do this degree, because I realised I loved the outdoors as much as I thought I was. And I looked at a few unis, and it was quite difficult. Um, to kind of convince the lecturers that I was going to be any good. Like, my grades were there, but they were sort of, oh, how can we adapt this? Then I got to um, looking at MMU, and it was the Cheshire campus, which ironically is where I'm from. So it kind of came full circle. And straight away, they were like, yeah, we want you. And um, from the first day, so we had like a, you know, you go on like a taster day before you start. We went climbing in the Peak District, and my lecturer gave me a piggyback to the climbing (laughs) area. So I knew from that moment that it was going to be fine. What was really cool as well, like, well, I'm sure we'll get onto this, was how my classmates went from, it was a small small class because it's a kind of small kind of course, so there's 10, 10 of us, they went from not knowing anything about working with wheelchair users or knowing any wheelchair users to by the end of third year, we'd go on a field trip in the woods and it'd be really muddy and they'd just know how to tie the rope to my chair and go. And there'd be people giving us like the, you know, like the sort of field trip lecture and they'd be like, what, how? They, they were trying to still figure out how to do it. <laughs> Such so, a benefit to the people yeah. in your class to go yeah. on in their careers and know all that stuff, yeah. you know, which they wouldn't, wouldn't have I was been. like the perfect guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> so girls, both of you were um, injured young, Laura, you were 11, Tasha, you were 13. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it's a, both are terrible ages, <laughs> as yeah. they, as Do they are. Do not recommend, like, Tasha. Tasha, when you, for, tell us about your injury and, and how it happened and, and the immediate aftermath. Yeah, so, um, I said, we're, I was 13 at the time um, and I'd just come back from an after-school club, felt absolutely exhausted, uh, went to, just sat down in front of the TV um went to get up took a few steps fell on the floor couldn't get up back up again at first my parents thought I was being a stroppy teenager and <laughs> um, um just playing up a bit um but then they realized something was wrong and I ended up um going to tip me to A&E um when I got to A&E they sort of said oh you might need to stay in here overnight so I was a bit frustrated about that um six months later I came out of hospital um and spent three and four months in Stanmore. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think it, it is, I mean, as a teenager, you've got a lot going on at that age anyway, but having a spinal cord injury as well, it sort of adds a different dimension to it. Um, and and I, but I think when you're young, um, you're sort of learning different things all the time, you're adapting yeah. and also um, your friends and fa- family are sort of adapting around you as well. Um, and so when I was in hospital, my friends were really, really supportive. Uh, they came to visit me. Um, coming out of hospital as well, going back to school, it was tough, but I think we were all learning, like school was learning, I was learning how to adapt. 
um, coming back to school and my friends were learning too. So yeah, lots lots going on. Was the school accessible or did they make special? Um, you, luckily parts of it were accessible. Okay. Um, so they sort of moved my lessons around so I oh, could okay. um, have my lessons sort of in the more accessible parts um, of the school. Uh, but when I was um, when I was going to sick form, the sick yeah. form is really inaccessible. Really. So um, I actually ended up moving schools so I could go somewhere right. that had an um, inaccessible sick form. Ah, uh, okay. How about you, Laura? Is that the same for you? Yeah. So my school. So I'll, I'll sort of shall I do my little story sort of thing because it kind of all adds up. But basically, um, I had the ultimate great sort of experience of moving house to a different town. Um, in year six, a month before I got injured. So when I got injured, I was out of school. I was I was in hospital for a year and a day, I think it was in the end. Um, so what happened was I was in primary school, uh, went into hospital, and my parents um, got the letter saying you've been accepted to the high school, and they realised that the high school didn't know, so they had to go to to the high school and say to them, by the way. <laughs> She can't walk anymore, this girl that you've accepted. And they were like, okay. And from that moment, they were amazing. The Senko, they're like the whole way through. Um, they just they were like, right, well, we'll get this girl back in school. And um, they already had a few lifts because there was already a kid in a wheelchair there. Um, but some of the classes weren't. And I remember we used to always have French in science. Like, and you know, like, it's just weird having French in science. Like, I never really took to French. And I think it was because it was weird having it in science. Um, but they were really good. Like they'd always move my my um, like um, lessons around and things like that. Um, I think what the, the hard thing for me was because I'd just moved house. It was a new area, a new school, so nobody knew me. Right. So I wasn't. So if you like, you've obviously your friends changed with you. Yeah. Whereas I went to this high school, missed a year of school anyway. Everyone's sort of not grown up, but you you've had to grow up overnight because that's what happens when you get injured whereas everyone else has sort of gone on a year but they've all changed because they've all become like teenagers sort of thing when you start high school you're not allowed to be friends with boys are you all of a sudden um, <laughs> it's like oh i'm not allowed to be your friend okay um and I'll, i always describe the moment i went in on my induction day was a bit like you know when harry potter turns up to hogwarts and they'll start whispering it's harry potter oh, it yeah. was like that yeah. it was like <laughs> And mm. that was kind of, it was really hard because no, they didn't mean anything bad by it, but it was it was that moment when I was like, my identity, I'm now yeah. that girl in a wheelchair, I'm not Laura anymore. So it took, I'd say a good four years before I started to kind of, not come out of my shell because I've always been chatty and things, but... No, never. Yeah, like, kind of like <laughs> accepted sort of thing. Like, yeah. but like, But it wasn't anything personal. It was like, you're trying to accept yourself. You're also becoming a teenager. They're all trying to accept themselves. It's like, it's, it's just a massive washing machine, isn't it? Like, that and, idea of yeah. self-acceptance then, I mean, did you struggle? I mean, every teenager struggles with that to a certain degree, but was that a particularly big problem for either of you? I think, yeah. I think for me, I'd never, before I became disabled, I'd never known anyone else that was in a wheelchair. Okay. So I think that was quite hard to sort of, because I didn't quite know what to expect of my disability. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the first... Um, my school hadn't had anyone with a disability um, in school before either, so it was it was almost like everyone was sort of learning. And I think, yeah, like yeah. you said, I think it I think it did take a few years for me to really sort of. And you've got remember own yeah. it. You've got to remember as well, like when you're eleven and thirteen, 
you don't necessarily know what a spinal cord injury is. Like, I'd never heard of a spinal cord injury. I know the word paralyzed, I thought it meant you can't move, which mm. I suppose it does, but you know what I mean? I didn't quite know what, what it was, so. Yeah. I, was, I don't think also, most adults no, fully understand yeah. it. Most, <laughs> like, most adults don't get it, so let yeah. alone a kid. But the good thing is, kids do take things on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. so that, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, I got injured due to scoliosis, like, due to my surgeon being an idiot and doing it wrong. Um, but that I've got like a wonky spine, so I've also got that level of like self, like body image going on. So like that's a you know when you're a teenager, you're so sort of paranoid and being like high level, you've got the tetra belly and you know yeah. all those kind of things. So it's just yeah. these themes of distress. And I think it is. <laughs> sounds <laughs> awful, doesn't it? I think as well because you're so different to everyone else, yeah. and at that age, you kind of want to be. Everyone sort yeah. of wants to be the certain. There's a sort of certain ideal, and yeah. all of a sudden you're very different to everyone else and that did you feel that other people treated you differently or was that your own perception of yourself um i think they did but i i think it was because um if people treated me differently it was almost because they might have felt a bit awkward they didn't quite know what to say they were or they were sort of trying to help almost too much and it was that sort of um yeah that it came it they weren't intentionally um trying to treat me differently but i think there's things are different ultimately and um i think it takes time for everyone to sort of adjust yeah it's things like i used to um get to leave class like five minutes early to go to the toilet like you know use certain timetable and uh i think at first people used to feel oh why she get out less i'm a nerd so i was like not happy about this (laughs) (laughs) so like but um it but it's also that and i think it is still something i'll be honest it's still something i struggle with because I was gonna. I was thinking about this the other day that um, little things that bothered you when you were eleven and thirteen yeah. don't bother you now, yeah. but things that bother you, like that, that you didn't realise will bother you now, do bother you. And it's little things like you sort of miss doing the normal kid things. And then I don't know what normal adult. Well, I do know. You know what I mean? I don't know necessarily. Like, there's one thing I always want to do that I'll never be able to do. Like walk in the street with a coffee cup <laughs> you know like okay. you know yeah. things like yeah. that yeah. but like when you were a kid it was oh, I miss walking home from school like with my mates it's though you know you miss out like socialising mm-hmm. and like yeah. the key bit of walking to and from school is when you make friends when you find out gossip but that was gone overnight yeah uh, so yeah it's a it's a weird <laughs> and what about family life then were there any change well of course there were the, the 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 necessary changes <laughs> but how did your tasha how did your family cope with your injury um i think i think um my brother and sister adjusted really well like they were quite young at the time mm-hmm. and so like when i speak to my sister about it now she doesn't really remember any different so um yeah and they were i mean they were really supportive when i was in a hospital um and when i was um going back to school uh, like my parents would come and t- talk to the school about things yeah. and um, so we could sort of adjust. I think um, I think I learned to be quite independent at quite a young age um, and we're talking about the backup courses mm. early and I went to on a backup course uh, soon after I came out of hospital so I was sort of thrown in the deep end a bit um, but that really, um, I, I learned to be uh, quite independent because of that I think. Can I just say, Tasha is unbelievably independent. So I, 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 is this true? I was talking to um, Daisy the other day, and there was a time where you went to Fort Park, and one of your front, so one of, the, one of Tasha's front wheels came off, and she back wheel bounced oh, around. She didn't go, oh crap, I have to go home. She was like, well, I'm not going home. 
Bagwell Ballantyre and the rest of the day. Is that true? Um, that yeah, yeah. So I, I lost the little bolt in my caster and put Mark. And we were like, right, what do we do? And then, but obviously we're like, right, we just got here, so we still want to go on the rides. Um, so yeah, we did. We did kind of manage it as this sort of awkward group kind of hobbling around Thorpe Park. Brilliant. Um, but my. <laughs> Um, so, but as a kid as well, um, I think growing up, there's sort of perks as well to having a disability, and yeah. one of those is sort of when you go to Thorpe Park, yeah. you get a um, you get a compa- companion ticket um, okay. that can come along with you, um, and you get to skip the queues on the ride. So I was always the sort of favourite to go to <laughs> Thorpe Park with. Like, oh Tash, yeah, we're going to the Thorpe Park. Most popular person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tash, we're going to Thorpe Park. Yeah. <laughs> get on the rides <laughs> So yeah. Yeah, no, it's quite funny. But yeah, I think I think growing up as well with um, for me personally um, to start off with, because I sort of always got really frustrated when people were trying to help me out, um, and particularly at school, I think that was something that I sort of had to adjust to. And but as I got more independent, anyway, it became mm. easier because I was doing things for myself. Uh, but to start with, I think that a lot of the frustration was sort of not having that independence. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think that's even specific to being young, is it? I mean, I think yeah. that's a general yeah. thing that people with SCIs have said. Yeah. Um, and how about your family? Did, did um, how did... Yeah, my family. Uh, yeah, so I'm an only child um, and I just had my mum and dad. Um, and yeah, it was really hard because we're quite a small, we're quite a small sort of family unit. It was, just, it was always me, my mum and my dad. And I'll be honest, it took its toll. Um, like they weren't really happy beforehand so i'll be open about it um so but that kind of kept them together and then when i finally grew up that's when it all sort of fell apart um and like sadly my dad died last year so yeah it's kind of like it's all right though but you know what i mean um but yeah it's uh it was it was really hard because there was a lot of stress on on the household with it just being me like i'd love sometimes to think oh if i had like a brother or sister to turn to it would have it would have been nice um but my parents did just did so much for me i mean they visited me every day and um, they drove to southport every day they stayed in all the hay with me they got the house sorted um we like you know getting the house adapted that's always yeah. hard because you need to go home to get to school obviously so i used to like go to school once a week um when in the later stages of my rehab um and i'd sleep in the living room that kind of thing you know because you've got to integrate haven't you um but yeah, like it, it was just it was just hard work. Um, but one thing I'll, I'll always give credit to mum and dad for is I've always been very independent. It can sometimes be a girl thing as well. Like yeah. So by at the age of eleven and thirteen, you've got your own like privacy and all that. So it wasn't a case of oh let's let's mo- molly coddle her. It was right. Well, you're still growing up. It's you've still got to get on with it. You can't have me like treating you like a baby. And that's how I was treated in hospital, and that's how my family treated me. And then they. they she my mum and dad never treat me any different um so i feel like if if my parents had mollycoddled me if that's the right word i'd have not been the same person that i am now so i think it's so important for parents to remember that that kid is still a kid that's grown up and needs to learn how to look after themselves otherwise they're screwed yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and the, you mentioned there about like privacy and everything god i remember myself at 11 or 13 oh, yeah, you know there was total privacy required um how did that work when like in hospitals and everything is so invasive and yeah. you've got a changing body so i'm assuming things are changing all the time with the routines that you're carrying out on yourself and you have to be re-educated yeah. i imagine is that yeah. the case 
Um, it's a weird one because I, I like I'm open, but I literally started my periods a month before oh. my injury. How bad is that? Like, I just that's nasty. It's like 2005 was a write off, but we <laughs> 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 just get rid of it. Um, but it so I was obviously dealing with that and then very oh, quickly yeah. with spinal injury and it messes up your hormones anyway i think they've not sorted themselves out in all honesty and um <laughs> it the problem is i think with the ages we are we're like that in between stage so the hospital they don't really want to talk to you about sex and stuff because like you're uh, you're going to be embarrassed in front of your mum and dad and you don't you're embarrassed about that anyway aren't you yeah because you, you you're kind of scared of your own body i don't know if that i don't know if that might be a kind of an ordinary reaction to a spinal injury but i think you do, you're just learning about your body at that age, so it's kind of like right, scrap that. Here's a here's the next model kind of thing. Yeah. Did so, you find anything? Yeah, <laughs> I think sometimes it's quite because um, the sort of questions you want to ask, but then yeah. you're sort of in a room with your mum and your dad, and you do, <laughs> kind of like I really want to ask this, but I don't feel like I can. So sometimes you sort of end up sort of going looking elsewhere for that information. Um, so yeah, it, yeah, yeah. This is. It and with, with, if you didn't have, I imagine you didn't have smartphones and things like that back then. So, how did you find out information if you were too afraid to ask it? Um, I, th- I think there was a book that we were given uh, <gasps> yeah. called like whatever. Yeah, it was like a teenager. Uh, yeah, book, sort wasn't of aimed it? at teenagers. Oh, yeah. yeah, and sort of it had like little resources in it. It and was stuff all right. Could, yeah, I think yeah. it was um, one that the SIA. I think um, it was like produce. SA and Backup and like, you know, like the major yeah. spinal injury charities. Right. And it kind of dealt with some of the stuff that might be a bit awkward for you to yeah. sort of ask in a room with your parents and the consultant. Yeah, the it, was, it was quite good that. But oh, that's really thoughtful actually, it's a really yeah, good idea. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. do you remember it felt, like again, I was the new kid on top of the new wheelchair kid, but it was a case of, uh, I felt very isolated, sort of, I felt like I was the only kid in the world that had mm. all these things to deal with, even though I was surrounded by other children in in school and stuff. Um, I felt like I was the only person in the world that, you know, had to use a catheter and took age on the loo and all that sort of thing. And then it was the backup courses. Like, yeah. that was kind of every year I just wanted to go and sit in a room with a bunch of kids and be like, do you have this problem? So it was, it was, it was networking, not so, like, not online. Um, and like you said, those books were like, God, and you like, you know, Google a bit and stuff like that, but... Yeah, God, it, I always say this, it was hard, but and I sometimes think maybe it was better in a way because it meant that you actively went and figured stuff out instead of just sitting on a forum, like, waiting for... Yeah, and I think <laughs> I, did, I didn't really come across... When I was in hospital, there weren't really any other teenagers yeah. with spinal cord injury. So, like, the first time you get to really talk to other teenagers was the backup course, I think, and the yeah. first backup course. So were you, you're on. just, when you're when you're first brought to hospital, you're not put on a specialist unit, are you? Uh, no, so I was on the adolescent unit at Stanmore. Okay. Um, so that was full of, um, so it wasn't just people with spinal cord injuries uh, there, it was people that have had operations, and so it was more sort of a general ward, uh, but you still sort of went up the massive hill to get to the, the big slope yeah. did you have to yeah. go up that in your wheelchair yeah so i started off um and a porter would help me out and by the end of by the end of um my rehab i think i was almost getting up there Great. by myself <laughs> showing signs of the future paralympian <laughs> yeah training that's where it all came from <laughs> yeah and how about you laura did you were you in a specialist year? um a bit of both so when because when i got how i got injured and everything i sort of nearly died obviously and my condition got worse overnight. So, so, so a, explain to us, you you were having an operation for yeah, something else, was it? Yeah, it was a planned it? operation to repair my scoliosis, so okay. which is curvature of the spine. Yeah. Um, it was really it went from like thirty degrees to seventy degrees in three months. So it was like you need an operation or you're screwed, sort of thing. 
So, yeah, most people have the operation at that age. And uh, I walked into the operating theatre and then woke up and couldn't feel or move from the chest down. Um, and after a six-year court case that ended up in the High Court in London, found out it was due to negligence. The hospital didn't have the right beds, they didn't have the right monitoring equipment, they used a technique from the 1970s, and the surgeon casually put a screw in my spinal cord. So... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Oh um, my gosh. So, I, you know, I was and lost loads of blood, so I was like on plasma and everything. So I was getting really, really bad. So they sent me to Alder Hay Children's Hospital because at this point, it was all oh she's in spinal shock. She'll be up playing footy in three months. That's what someone said to me. I'm still waiting. Um, so when I got to Southport, I felt like the Ritz. It was amazing, mm. and uh, everyone else in there was mainly male and adult. But I loved every minute. Well, not all loved every minute. I had a terrible time. For obvious, you know, that, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. But I loved it. Um, Did they take really good care yeah, of you? Yeah, and and I felt like the the guys in there took care of me as well. Like you know, they always yeah. call me little and still do. I think, um, <laughs> and it, I I think it's more important for kids to be with other people with spinal injury than it is for them to be with other kids because it's so horrible. Like when you, I remember once in older hay, I was lying in bed. And this woman was like, why don't you get out of bed? You're lazy. Because she was visiting another kid and didn't realise that I couldn't move. So you're surrounded by a lot of ignorance in a general hospital. And whereas that's like a safe space. And yeah, I think you yeah. need that safe space yeah. to have that level of, you know, learning and stuff. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, like, I always, I always champion like spinal units and, and what they do. Because I think they're so important for all ages, not just sending kids to general hospitals absolutely, yeah. absolutely and so many people don't get to them which is such a no. shame um, the big question then growing up boys boyfriends <laughs> or relationships um, or you know how what were there more barriers to like you know teenage relationships than usual I don't know. Or do you, I, I've worried that badly. But oh, no, I, get, I think probably, yeah. yeah. I think I just I think because um, you're socialising with people that might not have ever come across spinal cord injuries before, or disability before. So there's that. There is that barrier. I think just the kind of unknown, and then but also from our perspective as well, like we're not quite sure. Oh, is it going to be? Is it going to be a bit different? Is it going to be awkward? Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of sort of question, unanswered yeah. questions out there at that age and how did you navigate those yeah like I'm just gonna say like I, I kind of uh, didn't really like have a boyfriend or anyone for I can't remember <laughs> I had sort of had a boyfriend in high school once I think but it was always like jokey and I think it I the whole like maturity thing I was saying you've grown up overnight so all, I always felt the boys at school would be like oh you look about you, you act about 10 so I kind of did not ignore boys, but didn't really try too hard. And then if I did say to someone I liked them, everyone laughed. And it's like, is that because Laura's a bit of a nerdy weirdo, or is it because of my chair? And then, but I used to, like, you know, even other girls not understanding because I can remember, and these girls won't know this, yeah, um, that I had some girls around and I'd invited them around to my house, and we were going into town, and I could hear them giggling behind me. And they were on about, oh, how would she even have sex? Oh, how would she even have a baby? And I was like, you're supposed to be my friends. So there's that kind of, it, that listen, overhearing things like that. Like, even the homophobic thing I once heard was, I'd rather be gay than go out with Laura May. Again, that could be, they just didn't like me. Or was it, lol, she has to go to the toilet a lot. And, you know, all these kind of things. So, Jeez, that's nasty. Yeah, I, just, I, found it quite, I found it quite tough. And then when I got older, you know what I'm saying, I navigated it. 
uh, like finally did like meet some nice boys and things like that, and now I've got Devon. But um, everyone says that Devon you, being my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, Devon. We've met him, but We've the met, listeners. He's don't. hiding on his switch, like in there. What's going on down in Devon? I forget. Everyone, I think sometimes people think I go to Devon a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, like I once was at uni in the SU, and the one lad came up to me. He was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm supposed to like ask you out." And I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "You're my initiation." You know, for like rugby. Yeah, I've had that. I'm as well. sure you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah some yeah. thing, and it becomes like this sort of ch- like yeah. some rugby lad it's challenge. Like a bucket thing. To yeah, get oh, with me to get into yeah. yeah. and it was it. horrible. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go on, you, yeah. you give your. No, that was. I hadn't really come across anything like that yeah. before I went to university. Like at school, and they're at university. The they're old yeah, enough. They're old yeah, 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 it's not like these are twelve-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Oh my um, gosh. But no, I did. I did have a boyfriend at university, and there are there are ones out there that yeah. aren't like that and yeah. really kind of understanding and open. And if there are any guys out there who were injured when they were young, I'd be interested to hear what their experience mm. was with mm. girls, and yeah. if mm. girls were nicer, because girls can be nasty as well, can't oh, yeah. they? So if girls are a little bit nicer, how that works. So if there are any guys out there listening, uh, do send us in a message. Let us know um, what your opinion is. <laughs> One last question. Do you think that your injury, how, how do you think it's shaped the person that you've become? <laughs> That's a big question. <laughs> um, I, I think I've, I think, I think I've had, to, I've developed closer relationships with my friends, um, having a spinal cord injury quite young. Um, and I think so the experiences that we had at school um, really sort of strengthened those friendships and I've got um, the friends that um, I made friends with at school are some of my best friends now so um, yeah it sort of added a different dimension to the friendships I think um, I think I've become I'm more open to trying new things um, and to just sort of say yeah why not I'm gonna have a go at this and do that. So yeah, I think she that's... says having just coming back from traveling around <laughs> Bali, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> tell Which us about was... Bali. Yeah, so I went um, traveling around um, Bali, um, well, some of Indonesia, and then up to Bangkok after that. And I was meant to be meeting a friend out there, but. Um, he got drunk and missed his flight and got stuck in Australia. So I ended up doing um so I ended up doing it by myself in the end. I look after the show was, we need to yeah. talk about oh, yeah. our getting stuck in Thailand by ourselves stories. So. I feel like I'm not gonna go to Thailand because I think I might end up getting stuck. I didn't I, yeah, I wasn't. Oh yeah, you were well, well, you know what? I think we get a lot of um we get a lot of emails in from mums and dads of young mm. people who've who've been injured. Um, and recently actually we've had quite a few from mums and dads saying you know thank you for talking about this subject or that subject because they didn't actually know what the future held for their children I think it's very important for any parents listening today to listen to your story about being in Bali by yourself and know <laughs> that you can have just yeah. as just as f- fulfilling a life as an yeah. able-bodied person yeah and I mean um like when I got there everyone's so willing to help out like mm. you, do, you lose the independence when you're out there but there's so many people that will just sort of you don't even need to ask they'll come and sort of oh yeah we'll help you out this curb we'll go do that so there's so much that's possible if 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 you could if you just sort of accept a little bit of help along the way as well you can still do everything that you wanted to do so but in a different way so i went to canada on my own for four months at 19 like 
Amazing. That's but that's what a lot of other nineteen-year-olds do. Yeah. Go and become ski bums. So that I just did what I would have done anyway. That and that's one thing. My mum always says she's like, oh, I should have worked in this industry. Should have been interested in this anyway. Mm. Um, so I I once I'd I'd say it's changed my life. It just it makes some of it hard work. Like at the moment, I'm in a bit of a tough time. And I'm like, can't be bothered with this. But it's it's just part of me. It's just one bit of my life, not the whole of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you learn to problem solve. A yeah, lot, and a lot yeah, more the, the accepting help. You like, yeah, you kind of, you yeah, we are good at problem solving, like breakout and all that. Yeah, yeah, no, that is a thing. It's problem solving and understanding that independence isn't just about physically doing stuff yourself. It's about knowing how to ask people to help you in the correct way. Um, yeah. That's that uh, one thing I learned on my year out was self advocacy. I love that word. Mm. It's that whole knowing what you need so then you can get people to help you yeah. out. And other like, I think friends and family become more confident if you you are confident yeah. in sort of telling them what you need and yeah. them to do, and then you don't you don't get that sort of smothering of yeah. oh shall I help you? Shall I help you? Are you okay? They know that if you need help, yeah, you'll ask, you'll ask for it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it's time for our favourite game, it's role models. As always, yeah, I will place you. I will place you in a hypothetical situation, and you have to tell me what you would do, and what you would do, and what a role model would do. Okay, you're at school or college or work, whenever. Then there's a group of classmates or colleagues who always make you feel uncomfortable. They've never said or done anything directly. But they've never made an effort with you and you're not included in their activities. For some reason you feel like they're judging you and you feel a bit intimidated. You've often overheard them sniggering when you're around, but today you could have sworn you heard one of them say crip one time as you passed by. So this morning of the leader of the pack, she is the Regina George of the group, approaches you and asks you if you'd like to come for breakfast with them. What do you do? And what does a role model do? <laughs> I think I'd be pretty pissed off with them still and I think it would come across as a bit that's a bit two-faced so I nah it would be a no from me yeah it would either be a case of saying to the the face at that time you know when they ask you mm. they're like why do you want to invite me when I've heard what you've been saying you know yeah. or which might be kind of more diplomatic approach go to breakfast with them and they're all there and then be like right guys I've heard what you've been saying and then make I don't know try and be kind of you know like just get put it all on the table literally because it's a way of getting people together what about you Chris would you go to breakfast with them the mean girls oh, I'd do what Tash does send the fuck off too nice I mean that's what I would do I mean I think a role model might go for breakfast with them because it is an opportunity to educate them but um, I know I wouldn't either you're clearly a role model Laura <laughs> obviously I think sometimes you just get so it's almost like fatigue with it and you just can't be bothered sometimes yeah. like not worth it yeah. yeah yeah and there are some people that just there's no amount of educating no. will ever make them worth spending time with yeah um, well great well at least we've got that solved <laughs> And this is part of the show where we ask uh, our guests questions from the public. And this week, uh, the question is from Donna from London. And Donna's question is, if you could be anyone else in the world for just one day, who would you be and why? Oh, that's well wow. It's a good question. That is a good question, isn't it? Nice one, Donna. Donna's oh. always chatting to us on Facebook, so that's a good question, Donna. I'm like, wait for you go first. <laughs> 
I can answer it. Go on. I would be Phoebe Waller-Bridge because I just think that she's totally amazing and she's just living my life and I want to be her. I'm not, I'm really ter- I have no idea I don't who that, who that is. is. I feel really no. bad. Do you, oh no, really? Okay, right. Go on. Okay, she's awesome. She's. Have you watched Fleabag? Oh, uh, yeah. Of oh, the main yeah. character? Yeah, but she's um, also, it's not that, it, she, she wrote it and she also wrote Killing Eve and now she's writing a new Bond oh, film. Wow. Oh, she's God. just an amazing writer. She writes really good, complex female characters. That's why I think I I've got She's won a load of Emmys and BAFTAs and okay. things like I know, that. I know, and it was, yeah. now you said it, I know you're yeah, about yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, she is, she's very cool. Anyway, there you go. That was my very disappointing nice. answer. So. <laughs> I love you, Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got mine. You've given me like uh, Kate Nash. I bet you're like, who's Kate Nash now? It's 2007. Yeah, the singer. Yeah, yeah foundations, all that. But she's she's not just the singer that everyone knows for fact from the song Foundations. She's had a really tough time and she's come out on top. So she basically got dumped by text from a record label like just after a second album came out in the noise, and her reaction was sodger and went off and made her own label and did it herself through crowdfunding and fans and that and now she's amazing she's got an acting career um and her music's amazing and it's it's sort of moved on and like the words have helped me a lot and uh just it's kind of i see her as a role model to me because i have ups and downs with various bits that go on and she's like fought through it and i'm like well if she can do it then i can so i'd say i'd like to be kate nash Probably she's probably on a bad day knowing me. <laughs> yeah. I reckon I'd probably be an athlete, maybe Serena Williams, I think. Oh, would yeah. be awesome. Just to uh yeah, just the competitiveness. Um yeah. but would the day have to be the Wimbledon finals? Yeah. I reckon so, yeah. Something that's, or would something you pick really like or... when she's on holiday somewhere dead nice? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spending all her money. Italy yeah, for a pizza. I'd probably pick the wrong day. Yeah. I'd be expecting to be at the Wimbledon finals and turn up and she'd be at home on a rest yeah, day. Yeah, like a physio <laughs> yeah, or something, like yeah, a really yeah. hard sports massage. Yeah. Imagine just experiencing the, how powerful those arms must yeah. be and those yeah. legs. Jeez. Let's get a shout. <laughs> Does it have to be a real person? <laughs> no, it's your, it can be whatever. I think it'd be cool to just be James Bond just for a day. Yeah. Okay. I think yeah. that'd be, you know, cool. Just for the cars alone, I mean, I'll take it. Do you think that you'd be able to get through all the scrapes he gets through there? Easy. I think it's like a mental game, isn't it? I think, like, you know, I think James Bond has like a tough. I think it's like all the news movies now. You come out like you see his like mental side of how yeah. tough it is to be him. Um, yeah, I think I think I can handle it. Yeah, I think I can handle it. I can handle the booze and the women. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they help. I've read every James Bond book. I'm a proper Bond. Have you? And, and the books are when you're saying about the mental side, you actually see him as a person. You're like, yeah, oh, he's yeah. a cool guy. So. Yeah, reading. that's why they did. They kind of rebooted the whole yeah. Bond franchise, didn't they? And that's mm-hmm. why they have Phoebe Waller Bridge in writing because they want to have really good female characters. Because yeah. the next Bond film is going to be there's a lot more of a female character yeah. who's going to be. Yeah, that's right. Be yeah. Yeah. There's a double O. So excited. Yeah, I can't so, wait. Yeah, I'm so keen. So yeah, she's going to have a strong Bond girl, not like just you know the ones that Chris likes. Yeah. If you have a got, if you have a CEA card, you get a uh, ticket for free. Yeah. I believe, as mm. well. I was thinking about that actually. That again, you know, my friends to yeah love that. That was a great way because so. when you're teenage, all you can do is go to the cinema. Like that's why yeah. there's nothing else to do. So, but it was great for, with my friends because. You know, it can cost a bit more money to yeah. get around and that. So that used to, oh, should we go to the cinema? Oh, yeah. But it, and they didn't feel like they were using me because we just halved the price of the ticket. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm. 
But yes, yeah, I only got mine the other day, so it's I, class. I get one to renew it. Yeah. CEA yeah. card, that's it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. get one. Cool. Yeah. I, I have to get one, one as well. Yeah. Um, okay, that is it, folks. That's all we've got time for. It's time to say goodbye. Uh, lovely talking to you girls. Mm. Um, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us today. Thank you, Laura, for traveling so far. Get out in it. <laughs> <laughs> We do have a gift for both of you for coming. It is the beautiful Spinal Crap Mug. (laughs) You've now joined the club, the the special club of Spinal Crap Mug owners. Um, You'll have to take some photos of them, of you using them at home, send them in to us, we can pop them up on on social media. yeah, and we we should point out there are a lot of photos of the spinal crap mug going up on social media, and everybody's been very polite about it and holding the nice side of the cup with the spinal crap logo on it. But what a lot of people don't know is that on the other side of the mug we have, and um, it says, "After this brew, I'm off for my morning poo," and it's got a little poo emoji. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> so let's see more of that side of the mug, <laughs> girls. You both. Um, Laura, tell us about uh, how people can find out more about the adventures oh, you're organising. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and this is where I need everyone to really listen. Um, <laughs> so, as part of my work with Able to Adventure, we are setting up another uh, community interest company called Trailblazer. And it is basically going to be the UK's first ever wheelchair adventure race. So, it's off-road. Um, and it's going to be in uh, the Cairngorms on the 6th of June. Where is that, um, then? In Scotland, so okay. like the Highlands. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, day out. <laughs> Week um, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's plenty of accessible camping nearby. Um, that's that's the thing. So basically, if you go on Facebook and look up Trailblazer Wheelchair Adventure Race, you will get to the page. Um, I'm just finishing off the website, um, so you can register for it. Um, but we're going to open up to hand cycles, your everyday wheelchair. You can put a free wheel on, or you can, you know, just go for it because you can't get round. Um, mountain trikes um, we are kind of finding out whether we need to we can allow e-trikes and e-technology because of insurance and all the fun side mm. um, so yeah if you go on Twitter we are I think it's like T underscore Blazer UK um, I'll get them to retweet it and Facebook it's Trailblazer and just type in Trailblazer Wheelchair Adventure Race um, so yeah hope Sounds people awesome. sign up yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'll be yeah, interested yeah. <laughs> Tasha anything to yeah. plug um, I'd say uh, to anyone that has a um, he um, he's young with a spinal cord injury. Um, I'd say go on a backup course, um, or even if you're not young with a spinal cord injury, <laughs> go on a backup course. Uh, they're really really beneficial. Um, okay, and help me out a lot. Brilliant. Yeah, they are. They're so good. They've been so kind to us as well. Yeah. And Chris loves going working out with the guys there. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, yeah, I did a CrossFit course with them okay. uh, near their offices, and it generally broke me. I'm scared to go back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do need to do it. Yeah. So in preparation for the wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 How are preparations going? Yeah, not bad. Well, I'm, again, I'm not doing anything. I can't sit here and pretend I'm doing anything. <laughs> but even but you're, you were working out and all to get in shape. For I've been. I, I've, I've really good. got back into the gym. I've really, really, really got into it. There's, yeah. a, there's a YMCA gym, and I believe, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is true, but I'm sure a lot of them are wheelchair accessible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they are really, really, really good. I'm actually enjoying it. I've never enjoyed the gym before, and now I'm, I genuinely really enjoy it. Good. Like, it's almost like a challenge to adapt certain workouts yeah. and see what works. So. Yeah. On that note, it is time to say goodbye. Um, from all of us so until next time this is spinal crap thanks for listening to this is spinal crap 
and thank you to our sponsors Colaplast. If you like this week's show, please be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media.